Blog Talk Radio. joining us again today. Those of you who listen with any regularity know that I am on these airwaves every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and uh, it's a pleasure always to have you listening. We have listeners from around the world, around the country, and New York City, all of the above, and it's wonderful to receive uh, your comments, your emails, and uh, appreciation of the show. In fact, on that note, let me open up by directing you to both the website, www.abetterworld.tv, where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, which announces both who uh, our guest will be on radio and on TV. We are aired every Tuesday night, at this point, in New York City, in particular in Manhattan, on A Better World TV, MNN, and you can access that also from our website, abetterworld.tv, so we make it very convenient for all to become part of A Better World community, whether that is your listening to the weekly radio show, directly live or in archive and pass it on to your friends, please pass it on, or by listening to and watching the weekly TV show. We've been on for 20 years. Yes, folks, we've been on since March of 1993 and recently celebrated our 20th anniversary on the air. So yes, Mitchell Raven, for all of these years, has been your host and guide through the turbulence of our life here on planet Earth and our heading toward a a more open and bluer sky, you know, something that we might even refer to as heaven, dare we refer to it as such, you bet. And when you really reflect on human potential, which in many ways is going to be the subject of today's show with our guest, fellow psychotherapist, spiritually oriented psychotherapist, as I am, Kiara Wendrider, who will be here in due time. He's actually just getting uh, off an airplane from San Francisco and is speeding right along to our studio here in New York City and will be arriving a nun, as we say, 
the subject ultimately, as at least the way I frame it, is what is human potential? And we can look at it on the micro level, on the terrestrial level of how do we manifest on planet Earth with our various gifts, our skills, our talents, in whichever ways they manifest. And they do for all of us manifest in manifold ways. They really do. We have different kinds of intelligence. We have intellectual intelligence measured by IQ, the intellectual quotient. We have EQ, emotional intelligence, which is a way of understanding how do we relate to others and ourselves in the social domain of our lives. And then we also actually have kinesthetic intelligence, where our bodies are smarter than our ability to think or feel. We are a kinesthetic type, you could say, as discussed in neurolinguistic programming. <coughs> and we have a keen sense of body awareness, of grace oftentimes. People with kinesthetic intelligence will oftentimes become dancers or consummate uh, gymnasts or Olympians, or athletes in general, and or they will certainly just develop a dexterity with their hands or their feet and be able to communicate to the world through touch and even taste. It could lead to culinary skills. And so... This is the kind of different kinds of intelligences and different kinds of potentials that are possible here for us on planet Earth. Now, if you want to take a larger stroke, a larger, broader view, which I'm pleased to say that Chiara does, uh, we take a look at the influences of the solar system, and we take a look at even something I like he notes he refers to is the galactic center. And scientists these days have been able to show that there are essentially frequencies emanating from this galactic center that are coming to us here on planet Earth. So we are not alone, folks. We are not alone. Get that little thought out of your head. We've all been so deeply programmed to think things a certain way. And what we understand through neuroscience these days, we have also come to see that we have entrained ourselves and have been entrained by our society, what Werner Erhardt calls the background listening, or you could also call it, and he does, the cultural listening. That is the world into which we are born and the understandings of that culture. So to affect any kind of personal interchange is also to affect and bring about some form on some level of cultural change and vice versa. Now, how does a culture change? There are any number of different variables which would cause cultural change, whether that's, you could say, society at large, or that's the culture of a corporation, or if it's a culture of a family. Every family 
has its own, you could say, myths, its own assumptions, its own rituals, its own belief systems. And its belief systems are embedded in its perceptions. You get that hierarchy. There's a very specific kind of hierarchy that comes from our neurophysiological makeup, if you will, composition, out of which begins to emanate everything all the way out to the culture of the globe itself. Now, the culture of the globe itself is rather a thin one because humans per per tribe, if you will, per ken, per grouping, per family, per language group, per ethnicity, are rather different. And of course there are through lines. You know, let's look at that through line. One of them, of course, is the smile. A smile in any culture is an expression of warmth and ease and affability, possibly affinity, perhaps compassion, and certainly love. Isn't that cool? You and someone who speaks Mandarin can understand something of each other without a word spoken simply by a look in the eye, the smile of an eye or two, and a smile of the lip or two. Interesting things come in pairs, don't they? Everything is symmetrical, if not bilateral, both. So you're following this simple, simple thing. What is another common denominator of all people in language, but the language of the body? It's laughter, the use of humor, and you don't need spoken words for that either. It could be a prank fall, a prat fall. It could be a person like, you know, the, the uh, Charlie Chaplin or the Marx Brothers just carrying on without a word spoken. I mean, after all, Harpo doesn't say much, does he? But everybody gets it and everybody laughs. It's cross-cultural. Cool? You bet. Now, why am I bothering to say this? Because I'm trying to show that while there are tremendous differences between us all, an enormous and desirable diversity on all levels and all domains, there are certain common denominators of the human species through which we can relate to each other, we can acknowledge each other, we can befriend each other, and we can laugh together. We can smile together and create some sense of unity and brother and sisterhood. How cool. So when we talk about human potential, we're talking about something that reaches across horizontally in our world, on our earth, where we can help to be of service to each other and be united therein. And it's something that can reach vertically and access other beings of other species. Cross-species communication. How is that? I like that. 
Well, after all, there was um, a horse named Ed. Remember that? TV show way back when? (laughs) The Talking Horse? And we've been anthropomorphizing so many animals for so long. Well, that's a form of cross-species communication. Uh, We really love that kind of thing. But even, I could say, um, how would I put this? Cross-extraterrestrial communication beyond the the terrestrial realm of Earth. And we may see in due time that happening. I recently heard a really interesting radio show uh, with um, Michio Kaku uh, regarding... Uh, the amount of garbage that is actually was on WMYC, that's right, the amount of cosmic garbage flying in the atmosphere around the moon and the troubles it's causing for the launching of satellites and the like. In other words, around our precious globe, our Earth, there's getting to be traffic jams of different sorts. And what is the first thing a human being does, those NASA-style humans who are trafficking up there? They're littering. Yes. They're not throwing debris away properly. They're actually beginning to litter the cosmos. And it's beginning to also become a problem. So this global awakening that we'll be speaking about with Kiara in short order, I just received a missive that he is in the taxi en route to our studio, (coughs) will be to bring forward some of these subjects of human potential. And human potential, as we know from the fields of psychology and the field of living, becomes obscured through our emotional tensions, conflicts, and blocks. We do not perceive each other necessarily accurately or correctly or without distortion. And we need to. And we need to perceive ourselves as well, accurately, and in our true divine order, you could say, our true magnificence, our true spiritual legacy and inheritance. So that will be much of the subject of what we deal with uh, in just a few minutes in my dialogue with Kiara, who I'd like to share a few words about in the form of his bio. Uh, Kiara is a trained psychotherapist and spent much of his early life traveling and practicing various spiritual traditions in India, where he is originally from, even though he has lived in this country for, mm, I think, actually decades. A lifelong interest in environmental healing, peacemaking, and social justice led to a dual degree in peace studies and international development through Bethel College in Kansas. Uh, Later, he completed a graduate degree in transpersonal counseling psychology through JFK University in California and worked for many years at an alternative psychiatric center called Pocket Ranch Institute, which specialized in healing emotional trauma and facilitating spiritual emergence. He received a psychotherapy license from the state of California in 1998. 
He's also trained in various forms of body work, breath work, hypnotherapy, and shamanic healing. Well, my word, our backgrounds are awfully parallel, I can say that. Most recently, he uh, has been developing and utilizing a healing system, anchoring divine light called Ilahinur, and that's an Arabic word for light. And Well, Nur is the word for light, but it has to do with... Uh, connecting, you could say, to our light bodies. He has written four books, Doorway to Eternity, A Guide to Planetary Ascension, Diksha, The, F- uh, the Fire from Heaven, in which I have a chapter. Um, I'm glad to say a rather robust and well-read chapter internationally. Journey into Forever, Surfing 2012 and Beyond, and zero, Year Zero, Time of the Great Shift. Some people drop the word F, the letter F out of that word, but nonetheless, I think it's important for us to look at both. Oh, yes, bad humor, and my deep apologies to you all. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Uh, we are on every Wednesday night. We were on Progressive Radio Network for, well, oh, seven or so years with Gary Null. Uh, We have been on uh, WBAI, Pacifica Radio in New York City, for many years off and on, being interviewed, as well as interviewing with such known personages as Kathy Davis and uh, a number, Gary as well, and I've been on countless shows there involved in helping them fundraise using some of our video TV interviews for fundraising their and just know that that is another place for alternative media, which is becoming ever so more important in our daily lives as the uh, things, yes, are getting revealed, but things at the same time are getting more and more, well, efforts to hide. But because... Pluto is in Capricorn, for those of you who are astrologically configured and um, evolved, you will know that the influence of Pluto into the structure building, the empire building of Capricorn, will level anything and everything that does not stand in integrity. And that can be something as small as uh, you know, relatively fractally speaking, you could say, as a marriage all the way up to the Vatican and the Catholic Church. Or, for that matter, it could be the government, ours or any government. Look at what the Arab Spring is bringing about, uh, the toppling of governments, the changing of the rules, even Morsi being um, kicked out of office essentially by the people in concert with the Egyptian military, which is not a democratic process as such. However, in the true sense, it really is. It's very democratic because democracy, if you go back to the ancient Greek, is directly related to the will of the people. Demos, the people. And you cannot get out of it, even if it is not written in a constitution. Well, still, 
it is the law of the people. Whereas here, we have the law of the few, which is not democratic at all. Yet, it is clearly the law of the land that is utilized. It is unwritten, and it is not uh, democratic because it is not of and for the people. It is for the few. So we have a few tensions around that these days, you know. But <coughs> I do want to say that overall, you could interpret everything as moving slowly toward a greater sense of ourselves and our place on Earth and in the solar system and the galaxy. Oh, gosh, the universe itself. Now, these are huge words, and I do not bandy them about lightly. But I do want to say that our verticality is truly as important as our horizontality, okay? And it may sound funny because we're so horizontally inclined, interesting way of putting it. Yes. Does that mean that, Mitchell, we like to lie down? Well, perhaps, but it's not limited to that. It's that we think along the earthly plane. We think of love. We think of money. We think of success. We think of prestige. We think of how are people seeing us? Are we approved by other people? Are we liked? Are we valued? Right? Isn't this the human enterprise? Are we being treated fairly and justly? Or are we not? Are others of our grouping being treated fairly? Do we have a chance for success, material and otherwise? Who is in office? Who should be in office? <clears throat> are the institutions properly representing our interests? All of these have to do with very earth-oriented activities and thoughts and emotions and moral issues and ethical issues, which we are designed to deal with. This is our domain, so it's all well and good. What's interesting, however is that we're also designed to stand up straight, which means that our spine becomes like a walking, moving antenna that is perceiving information and energy and frequencies from any number of different loci that are earthly and otherwise. So when you begin to think this way, you begin to think like a human on two feet with his head toward heaven, his feet at the earth, on the earth, and the center in the middle. And he, uh, we, are modulating and mediating both heaven and earth. We receive the energy, the chi, from above, the intelligence, the wisdom of the universe, and we conduct it, you could say, through our 
spinal cord, through our nervous system, that fine, really um, delicate, graceful set of antennae to conduct data, information, through our bodies to our organs, including to our brain and therefore mind, which of course is related to soul in some interesting way, and to our physical hearts and the emotional heart about it, the etheric heart. Got it? It's a really, really interesting setup. And then there are, of course, many bodies. It's not just our physical body. We have a mental body. We have an emotional body. We have an etheric body. We have an astral body. So many bodies that are basically emanations from the center. And, of course, it's very interesting if we really want to track it. The center is not a center the way we think of a center. Just last night, I was uh, watching um, a video that was sent to me by one of our... uh, PR people, an interview with Dr. Raymond Moody, the author back in the early 70s of Life After Life, who was interviewing Dr. Eben, oh gosh, his last name is escaping me right now, uh, who is a neurosurgeon formerly at Harvard, who is the author of Proof of Heaven. If any of you are able to email me or text me the last name of Eben, I would appreciate it (laughs) so I could share it with everybody else. Anyway, it's very interesting because, you know, the domain that they are reaching into, as well as another book that I've just finished that I'm going to be interviewing the author of... Soon enough, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers, which I believe I have mentioned on the air before, how my bad boy brother proved to me there's life after death. It is awesome. Annie Kagan, former chiropractor and uh, songwriter currently, and uh, was and is, and the visitations she had uh, by her brother, who was killed in a car accident, uh, after she was uh, relocated out of Manhattan to the uh, Hamptons, where she was spending a lot of time meditating. And her brother died and came to her many, 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 many times. And why am I bringing this up? Because I want to just invite you to open up and get to another space of what is possible. Because when we really contemplate what is possible... Oh, my God. Our brains literally open up, and we start cutting new neural pathways. And I've got to tell you, that's a lot of the game of this life. It's to be, when we're in the brain, cut new ones. And when we're not in the brain, enjoy whatever dimension you happen to have landed in. And the conversation in the video with the author of Proof of Heaven and Dr. Moody was focused on that subject of being in the uh, other dimensions where brain activity does not even register. So, aha, from one of our wonderful interns, Phyllis Fryer, I have been fed the name 
Alexander. Now, Phyllis and everybody else, I don't know if you're going to believe me, but my mind had said prior to the IAM, Alexander. Well, I guess I needed proof, didn't I? <laughs> All right, good. Well, thank you very much for that. So uh, certainly it's a very interesting read. And uh, soon we'll also have Julia Asante on, who wrote another book about life after death. This woman, oh my God, what a scholar she is. She's a scholar of Near Eastern ancient languages, Linear B, Sumerian, Ancient Aramaic, etc. Really interesting woman who I did a TV interview with, and now we'll be airing that on A Better World in the upcoming future. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thanks so much for joining us. And know that we are on every Wednesday night <coughs> Excuse me, at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Blog Talk Radio. And it can also be accessed through Blog Talk Radio archives or through ours, permanently on ours, at www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv. And come and sign up for our newsletter, which goes out only once a week. It's free, and oftentimes I have a blog, but if I do not, uh, it's interesting anyway, because you'll find out what we'll be talking about here on A Better World, and oftentimes, I don't know about often, but certainly periodically with some consistency, we open up the phones to you, the audience. And in fact, because Kiara is running a little late, I'm going to do exactly that right now. 602-753-1860. 1860. And while you're putting on your dancing fingers for pressing buttons on your telephone, I'm going to bring in a little Mozart for the dancing of your fingers. Better World with your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm so glad you're joining us, and was anyone's fingers interested in dancing over the numbers during Mozart? Well, I haven't heard from anybody just yet, 602-753-1860. You know, based on our childhood, and even before that, intra-utero, and I really do emphasize that space. I think it's a very important one. 
that helps to form the way we perceive. That's the game, folks, because the way we perceive forms our attitude. And, of course, it forms our belief system. Is the cup half full or is the cup cup half empty? As Einstein posed the question, is the universe friendly? And depending on how we respond to that question, our life can be full of good feeling, well-being, and joy, or it can be filled with a lot of cynicism, a lot of skepticism, a lot of pessimism. And it's possible that we all have a dosage of each. I don't think any one person is only one way. We are much more complex organisms than that would admit. So we want to kind of objectify our own subjective experience of reality. Going back in utero is the way I like to put it. Really go back on a search, on a mission, on an adventure. And begin to see what it must have been like for you to go from being an idea in your parents' heads to a manifestation as a result of a sperm and an egg coming together and forming a zygote. Who came up with that word? I'd like to know what that means. One cell, the original cell. And how we blossomed and flourished from that very one cell. But what's interesting is this. Even that cell has a magnificent, infinite intelligence. And it too, just like our current day nervous system, is picking up information from every single little corner and nook and cranny of the universe. Yeah. It sounds insane. It sounds outrageous. It doesn't seem possible, except that it is, because it is in fractal relationship with everything else, not only under the sun, beyond the sun. Do you get that? This is really rather notable. If you can see that there is a holographic relationship between all things, then you can get to see that everything has the nature of everything else in it. Do any of you know the notion, the medieval notion of the doctrine of signatures? It's this idea that that um, things growing in nature look like the things they heal in the human body. The mandrake root, for instance, which looks like a little human, if you looked at it, was considered an excellent tonic for all things impure in the body. Interesting. The aconite seed, which looks like an eye staring at thee, would be used then for eye problems. You get the message. There's this idea of an analog in nature, wherever we go. So, okay, great. Uh, wherever we go, we are looking at ourselves. You could say, I've said it so many times, it's like a hall of mirrors. 
That's what our entire cosmos is. <clears throat> and as you begin to free yourself from the locked-in inherited neurology, the arrangement of the synapses as inherited by your parents and from your ancestry, which has its own richness, by the way, uh, when you step out of that, you can begin to see things from another point of view. And talking about other points of view, I am very pleased to welcome our guest for today's show, Kiara Windrider, who you've been hearing me talk about so much. And Kiara, welcome. Hey, good to see you, Mitchell. Good to see you, too. Hi. This is wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. After yeah. years, yeah. yeah. Hold that so, up. So, yeah. Okay, is this on a speakerphone? No, I don't think so. Hello, hello. I don't think so. Okay. It should be like that. Yeah. Well, uh, you are all witnessing, bearing witness to the first time Kiara and I have been together since 2005, Kiara. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful to see you, my friend. Yeah, lovely my to see you. My brother in psychology and spirit and everything. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, How yeah. was your flight, first of all? Oh, once I figured out it was the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, it was it was perfect. Yeah. So good, good, good. A little bit late arriving, but yeah. Sounds like you kept people busy. Oh yes, we were we were scanning the universe and you were uh waiting for you to arrive and uh going from our little dendrites in our brain all the way to the galactic center and mm. back. We were just talking about when you walked in the notion of fractal relationships. Uh-huh. So that uh even the zygote has the information of all things on the planet. Everything on, in the universe. In the universe. Everything. Yeah, yeah. And then I moved into the doctrine of signatures, which is the idea of the cosmos staring back at you mm. with its own mm. information. Mm. And so things like the aconite seed, which looks like an eye in, you know, in mm. seeds mm. in nature, mm. is used as mm. a remedy for eye problems. Oh, interesting, yeah. As an yeah, example, yeah. right, it's it's a medieval yeah. notion called the Doctrine of Signature. So right. it's just a right. way of describing the cosmic hall of mirrors, right. which, you know, this is our trip. This microcosm is, is microcosm, just exactly reflected right. backwards. Yeah. Exactly, as yeah. above, so below, and yeah. as within, so without. Yes. And if we can get that, we can and see that we're really brother and sister with all. Yeah. And if they really start looking at our internal structures and see where they get in the way of our relationship with the external structures, then enlightenment is all the way across within and without yes. and all of the ranges in between. So it's like, you know, so many of our traditions have spoken about seeking for enlightenment as if it was some ultimate reality out there. But I'm realizing more and more that it's about entering into the physical body, into the cellular structures, into the DNA, all the way deep, deep inside to our, um, the matrix that we carry of all the stuff that we've generated for thousands of years of human history and entering deeply into that enough yes. and transforming it. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. And that's mm-hmm. where our minds and our emotions need to be in a sense, followed through to our actual cellular structure yeah, and yeah. appreciate 
that the emotions live there too. Yeah. In fact, you can ask the question, where else do they live? What else is emotion? Right. Energy and motion. That's right. And exactly. And it has to have a, a physiological yeah. resting place. Right. You know. Well, that's what I like so much about Sri Aurobindo's work, Sri Aurobindo mm-hmm. and the Mother. Mm-hmm. And they talk about this descent of light, the supramental field, yes. descending into matter, into the cells, and that's enlightenment yes. on a physical level. It's not so much anymore about leaving behind the physical material realities and ascending into cosmic realms, but yes. bringing that cosmic realm into the physical body, transforming matter itself. Exactly. And that's God. In action. In action. <laughs> right. You know, God incarnating that's as right. who we are. In and the material realm instead of leaving yes. the material. It's sort of like, and that's a very profound thing that you're saying, Kiara, because Sri Aurobindo was very much a product of his time of the Indian mentality, which had a lot to do mm. with leaving the physical dirt bag, as it was referred right. to, the body, behind for something other and bigger and better that Although was a cosmic I would, understanding. I would say that's a false interpretation of Indian or Hindu religion or tradition because yeah. ultimately the Advaita teaching is that it's all one, it's the same, not two. So cosmic divine reality beyond time and space and material human reality in personal form is the same thing, just a reflection of one is not illusion relative to I the agree. other. I agree. I'm not going to say that it was textual. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that it is written that that is the understanding. Yeah. But I want to say that the practice, the, the practices have of been it more dualistic. was more what I, exactly yeah. what I was referring to, which is almost like they were copying the Catholic Church or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but yeah. Sri Aurobindo was one who of some, but he was truly mm. a leader yeah. in bringing back the wisdom that you're referring to of finding the higher intelligence right smack in the physical realm, mm. in the physical mm. body, yeah. you know, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Along those lines, would you tell us about, I, I kind of was feeding the audience with some notions about Ilahinur, mm-hmm. which is something that you have very much been cultivating over the last few years since I've seen you. It's so good to see you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know? And um, will you tell and share with our audience, really like them to get the download to share more about this. So before I say anything about Ilahino, I just want to set the context. Please. Because, you know, it's not just a technique uh, or a healing form, uh, although it may look like it. It's really about a state of being. And it's going beyond even our created time-space realities into this galactic source, which we are, and then bringing that source energy into physical matter and transforming it. So it's really understanding that we are not separate. So when we talk about Advaita, when we talk about who we are as the divine presence, you know, this is Ilahinur. Ilahinur in Arabic and Turkish means divine light. But but Nur is the quality of divine light that permeates everything. Mm. It's not out and beyond, above. Embodied. It's embodied. It's like, you know, the quantum reality. It's within everything. You talked about fractal realities. It's the fractal light that is not the opposite of darkness. 
It's a unified light that's beyond the duality of dark and light. So in that sense, it's like, you know, it's, it's the ability to penetrate deep into the heart of matter, into our subconscious matrix, and release the shadows of duality, which creates separation, which creates fear, which creates war, which creates greed, which creates all the polarity of human conditioning for thousands of years. So it's the ability to bring this light into the density of matter in a way that matter is not seen as separate dualistic uh, form anymore, but is seen equally as one with the light. Matter is simply a, a denser frequency of light. You know, you cannot make a distinction between light and dark or spirit and matter. Uh, even words, though that's it's much a continuum. It's, it's really yeah. a continuum. It's just exactly. more concentrated, it's more concentrated. And it's also <laughs> the cutting edge of evolution because through our nervous system, in a God or ultimate reality, whatever we call that force, is incarnating more fully than ever before. Um, you know, in 13.6 billion years of creation, evolution... We should be getting somewhere. We should be getting somewhere. And, you know, it's, it's been like a, a exponential curve. And right now, it's like right at the vertical peak of this curve where things are happening so quickly, so fast because it's now finally conscious evolution, not unconscious evolution anymore. Talk about that. Talk about the whole evolutionary cycle, if yeah. you would, as you mm -hmm. see it, and where we are now in mm -hmm. the curve. Yeah. So what I and see not is, to mention the di distinction between what was unconscious and when conscious evolution, from your right. view, kicked in. So involution and evolution are mirrors of each other, depending on what perspective. So from the perspective of spirit, source, we are in involution. From the perspective of matter, uh, nervous systems, bodies, we are in evolution. So it's really the unification of these two identities that these, this work is about, that these times are about. So evolution and involution become one process, one single act. Um, so in a sense, you could say God as the ultimate reality um, stepped into time and space in order to create new possibilities. Or created time and space to create... Create the time and space right. itself, yes. Right, as a container, if you will. As a container for yeah. new possibilities, for a playground, for right. life. Right, exactly, a sandbox. For, to reflect itself, which we are. Mm -hmm. You know, so that aspect of our being is now stepping into creation, and it's been stepping into creation for the last 13 billion years, with more and more consciousness. So, you know, when galaxies were first created, there was a unified consciousness that existed beyond the matter, the material form of a galaxy. But over the eons, it's developed into more and more complexity, more atomic elements, um, more biological uh, life forms, cellular life into organic life into mammalian life into, you know, human dolphin whale mm -hmm. forms, which, you know, it's a debatable who's at the peak of creation and it doesn't even matter. Because what's happening is we're, the planet herself I is hope life it's form. not us, Kiara. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I think we'd be in big trouble if we are. <laughs> but I think the planet herself 
is an organism yeah. who is who is conscious, who is living, who is yeah. Gaia. Um, Gaia, and she is the one who is evolving into this next stage. You know, we happen to be part of her. We are the nervous system of Gaia. Indeed. We may be the left brain of Gaia, and whales and dolphins happen to be the right brain mm-hmm. of Gaia. But so because that's putting it, that's a nice, interesting yeah, perspective. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's such a kinship here. Yes. But because of because of the evolving nervous system, we can actually anchor more and more of this cosmic frequency of light, which we can call God, and anchor that into the body, into creation, yes. in a way that it can then self-reflect back and see itself for the first time. So that's when involution and evolution meet together mm. and become God in motion. Uh, so the creator aspect of a being and the created aspect of a being become one. Mm-hmm. And that's what Ilahinur, back to Ilahinur, this yeah. is what Ilahinur is about. Because it allows for this higher frequency of our galactic being or intergalactic being to enter into creation. And the only thing that's obstructing us from recognizing ourselves for who we are is the subconscious matrix of duality and separation. You know, such a conditioning that we have developed over lifetimes, over eons, of seeing ourselves as separate. You know, it's not true that we are separate. It's a belief system that we are separate. And once we buy into that belief system, it is so. You know, so now that is the illusion. The illusion is not that matter is less than spirit. The illusion is that matter is separate from spirit. Exactly. That's my... Very important distinction. Exactly. Yeah. And that, or that matter is not real. Yeah, so, hearkening yeah. back again to the Indian perspective of Maya, or the Japanese makyo, the mm-hmm. idea of illusion, many interpret that as meaning that what we see is not real. Mm. But that's not true. Mm. You are real. I am so glad you're real. <laughs> <laughs> you How else can we reflect each other? How could we? We're very real, but what is unreal is fear. Yeah. And that duality that we have become by conditioning mm. anchored to. And there are so many faces of fear. Yeah. You know, and the ultimate face of fear is the idea of separation. And that is it's identical to the fear of death, the fear of change, the fear of loss, because all of this is illusion. That's, That's what illusion. Right. That's what illusion. And what this aligner work is about is entering into those roots of illusion, yes. which is the thinking. You know, it's basically conditioned by the thinking mind, and it's part of the subconscious mind. Entering deeply enough into the subconscious mind, which is allied with physical matter and then bringing that light into transform matter in such a way that the superconscious realms can penetrate and transform the subconscious realms. It happens without the interference of the thinking mind, and that's why it's so powerful. Yes. Because anything, I mean, I used to be a therapist. I was a therapist for 20 years, you sure. know, working with people in all kinds of ways, body, mind, I still spirit. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, those insights are powerful, uh, the work is useful, but somehow it's like it's still being giving ascendancy to the thinking mind rather than higher aspects of the mind. Um, like Sri Aurobindo, for instance, you know, he talks about five levels of the mind beyond the thinking mind. Mm-hmm. So 
speak about those, would you? Um, well, okay, yeah, this is useful. This, um, the Egyptians talk about this also, but Shirobindo says that there's the higher mind, which is able to see a much bigger perspective relative to the thinking mind, so it's the ability to jump up a notch and see the big picture. Beyond that is the illumined mind, where what you're seeing is beyond duality. We are seeing things as they are rather than what they appear to be. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that is the intuitive mind, uh, where you're not seeing from the outside anymore. You're seeing from the inside. inside. So if I'm seeing you, I'm becoming you. You know, Then there's no separation between you and I, no object, no subject, just you-ness, me-ness, isness. Beyond that, even, is the archetypal realm, the overmind, mm-hmm. where, you know, this is the realm where you're even touching the boundaries of creation. Uh, the gods and goddesses, all the, you know, yes. mythical realms are all part of this overmind. And then beyond that is this supermind, which is the mind of God. And what he says is this, and this is beyond time and space, even. Yeah. This is beyond even archetypes. This is a creative force which can enter into the creation. It's creative force that's really pre-creation. Pre-creation. Yeah. It's the ultimate uh, field of possibilities, yeah. all possibilities, right. not just creative possibilities. Mm-hmm. And this is who we are. This is the level of mind that is incarnating in us and through us. This is what's entering into the cells of the body, awakening the DNA. You know, scientists say 95% of our DNA potential is unused. It's junk. This is what's, you know, behind the junk. Right. And it's like, and they say that also the mind is, we use 5% of the brain. Right. So, you know. So the nervous system is not... How are we anyway? You yeah, know. so this this is the supramental force that's yeah. now entering into consciousness, into the, into the earth. It's activating new potentials that have never been seen before. So when we see the chaos and the confusion and the, you know, the problems that... Are, exist in the world, you know, that's, that's a, from this perspective, these are minuscule. Einstein said once that you cannot solve the problems of the world from the same level of consciousness that created those problems. But if you transcend that level of consciousness, um, then it's easy. And what's happening is not, not that we are trying to achieve some supramental reality. The supramental reality is entering into our creation. You know, it's um, proactive. Yes. We are simply vehicles for this. All we can do is surrender and open and then watch this living force come through into into daily life, into sure. um, this earth, this beautiful planet. Oh, you know? my gosh. And Completely. That's one of the reasons there's such great sadness yeah. in watching the desecration, quite yeah. literally, yeah. of our precious planet, yeah. which is a sacred temple for many of us. Right. And it really is being desecrated by the misinterpretation forces. Exactly, of reality. So mm. you put it all very beautifully and elegantly, and I really appreciate it. At the same time, we are all, even those of us who have had a taste of the unified field beyond the mm. duality are still living within the space of mm. and the life mm. of and the society of and right. the culture of duality. Yeah. And so uh how to bring 
some of this more awakened mind in mm. to that okay. and not invalidate the experiences this, people are having on the horizontal yeah. level. It's making a bridge instead. Yeah, yeah so this is, this is the key to the Lahina work as well. Yeah. So um, what I was given some years ago by Ra, the Egyptian deity of the sun, was that um, there's there's a part of the brain. I mean, this is all supported by bio, biochemistry and neurophysiology now. Mm-hmm. That there's a part of the brain which we now call know as the limbic system, mm-hmm. uh, which is connected with the instinctive centers of mind and the emotional centers of mind. This is Sri Aurobindo refers to different stages of human evolution. This would be the animal-human stage. Mm-hmm. So it's instinctive human. We're based, you know, everything is based on survival. Everything is based on um, the need to compete with another in order to survive. And so from that perspective comes but you, fear, but you separation. Know, I just interrupt for one moment. It's just to say, Kiara, that that feature of Darwinian thinking has mm. been proven to be wrong. Yeah. It's not even Cooperation accurate. is even much more oh, yes. a fact than competition. By all yes. means. But this is like, you know, this is one aspect of what yes. we've created. Yes. You know, the economic, created. political, it's not um, biological. social systems are basically it's competitive in nature. Right. It's a belief system that's entered into our economic structures. Oh, bio, it's, it's permeated and, all aspects of yeah. society. And it's time to but go back. But it's not biological, that's no. the point. Yeah, yeah good yeah. point. I mean, that's yeah. very true. And now we're going back to sacred commerce, sacred politics, sacred relationships, sacred everything else, mm-hmm. you know, which recognizes the unity yes. behind the duality. Yes. Okay, so this part of the brain, the limbic system, when it's connected directly to the higher parts of the brain, uh, including the chakra system, including the axiotonal lines, which are extensions of the meridian system, mm-hmm. uh, acting through the frontal lobes, then there's a potential, there's a bridge created through which higher energies can um, flow into the body through the heart, activate the heart, so you're not you know, caught up in the monkey mind, the static of the thinking mind. Mm-hmm. You're able to penetrate deeply into that stillness, that still small voice which speaks from the heart which is the voice of the, which is the wisdom of the body and once you make that connection between the superconscious and the subconscious through this bridge this physiological bridge that's simply a part of how our brains are structured yes. then something magical happens which is that uh, this new awareness begins to arise old patterns beliefs conditionings just automatically disperse it's like the light comes in, it's like a, a fog that gets lifted in the light of the morning sun. And then as that fog gets lifted, more light can come in, more fog gets lifted, until eventually there's just this passage which without obstruction between a higher self and a lower self. In that sense, there is no separation anymore between the Atman as the higher self. And no perceived separation. And the perceived separation, Uh yes. So the personality self and the um, soul structures come into unity or come into perceived and um, intentional 
unity. They act as one. They're yoked together. That's what yoga means. Yes. They yoke together. Union. Mm -hmm. And it's easy and it's, you know, it's it's fun. Life becomes synchronistic and joyful because there's not one aspect of the mind that's in competition and and trying to obstruct another part of the mind. So usually what happens, and this is what people when they talk about the law of attraction, don't see how the subconscious mind is so much stronger than the conscious mind. You know, so when you're trying to attract something with your conscious mind and disregard the power of the subconscious, and meanwhile you're trying to bully the subconscious mind, you know, which is basically the child self, you know, when people talk about the inner child. You know, we become the bullies of this child and then expect the child to to respond. respond. Favorably, Favorably respond, right. Yeah. Meanwhile, you yeah. know, it's digging in its heels and throwing a tantrum. Exactly. So here we are, you know, the subconscious and the conscious, are, you know, getting into this this um, battle battle with each other. Yeah. The the kahunas say that the the, the middle self, Hawaiian teachings, the middle self, which is the conscious personality, cannot directly access the higher self, but the middle self can begin to make friends with the low self which is already connected with the higher self. So that's what we're doing with this bridging. So the middle self is the, the personality is choosing, intending to create a bridge between the higher self and the lower self, allowing it to happen without interfering with the process, without you know, squishing the lower self, without mm. being programmed by the lower self. You know, so it's like when are we gonna make you know, when are we gonna make friends with the lost parts of our being. Exactly. It's simply lost. It's not about, you know, it's not evil, bad, no. um, negative. It's just lost and ignorant aspects of our being exactly. that we need to bring into light. Embrace them. <coughs> Uninformed, so, uneducated, unenlightened, yeah. quite literally. So whether we're talking about aspects of our own being or aspects of that being that are fractally reflected out in other people in our life. So when you, you know, Carlos Castaneda talks about the worthy adversary. When you meet the worthy adversary, whether it's in a, in a dictator in, of, a, of a nation, you know, benign mm-hmm. or otherwise, mm-hmm. whether we, you know, democratic or otherwise, you know, um, or someone that we just can't stand in an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, our intimate relationships are perfect mirrors for what we are not willing to see yes. and not able to see in ourselves. You know, whether they're lovers, mothers, fathers, children. So upon our seeing sisters, it. Upon us, yeah. Then it's like the mirror is clear. And then there's forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply letting go of the idea that there was anything to forgive. You know, because then once you see that I am you, like the Mayas say, in Lakesh, I am another you. Yes. Then there is no more separation. There's and of course, to even uh, as the Indians would say, Namaste. Yeah, is a similar notion. I, the divinity in me bows See. to the divinity in you. Exactly. No hierarchies. I am not better with other. And the higher self isn't better than the lower self either. That's the truth. That's yeah. a very important thing. Yeah. And that that think. I think is the ultimate um, disempowerment within yeah. religion. Because all religions yes. tend to um, experience 
the human self or not expand. They tend to point to the human self as lower than the divine self. Exactly. Whereas what's and happening is the reverse. God is incarnating into the human uh, in order to discover itself for the very first time. I mean, that's a completely different perspective. Ask yourself the question, Kiara. Why would God, the intelligence of the entirety of the universe and beyond, create matter unless he wanted it to matter? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. Everything could have been this beautiful, placid, immaterial like ponds of perfection yeah. and tranquility, yeah. but brought forward the perturbation, if you will, of the material, mm. of his material or hers mm. material face, mm. Mm. which leads to things like the alternation of sun and moon, of day and night, of yin and yang. Mm. By on purpose, not mm. by some right. kind of cosmic right. mistake. I think the problem has been that humans have interpreted a natural polarity of life and seen it as duality. And they're two very different things. Polarity is simply yin and yang, yes. night following day. Exactly. <clears throat> Dark following male night, and female. Male female. Duality is one... one you pick one pair, one of the pair of opposite, yes. and make it good. And stick with it. And right, stick right, with it. And right. then the other automatically becomes bad. And then you project, uh, reject, uh, deny, repress, oppress, suppress, and suppress. And depress. And depress. <laughs> <laughs> right. And none of it impresses. <laughs> none of that impresses. <laughs> I'm being reminded of our days in Golden City, Kiara, <laughs> when we would spend time spinning mm. yarns and laughing our full heads off. You yeah, know? <laughs> laying under the stars and becoming the... Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. know, those were the days, yeah. huh? Yeah. It's well, really it's beautiful. interesting. It's just about seven, eight years ago. So yeah. It's, full, you know, it's true. Cycle, in a way. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 2004 and 2005, we were there together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, around March, Nine. February, March, mm. January, February, March, you right. know, but right. uh, truly. And many of the subjects we were discussing were very much like this. So mm. my understanding of <clears throat> El- uh, Elahinur is coming from the perspective of the value of diction mm. right. or uh, this, call it a cosmic blessing. Mm. Mm. Could you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, Diksha, for many of us, has been like a major, um, you know, awakening. Yes. And for me, it was a part, a partial awakening. Yes. I also had to recognize that the ground element is equally important. The earth element, the body element, the lower chakras. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, you know, the electrical magnetic energies are one electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. Diksha represents the electrical field. Uh, there's also the magnetic field. Ilahinu mm-hmm. uh, as a whole represents both. You know, so it's about bringing the higher vibrational field, the cosmic light, you could call it, into the body, transforming the body. Connecting with the earth, transforming the earth. Um, 
So it's like we become channels through, it's not just for our own personal enlightenment, which I don't believe in anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of personal enlightenment is a, is a, is a, a myth. A myth. Because if there was a person to become enlightened, that is not what enlightenment is about. Right. It's about going past personhood into a collective organism, into the recognition that we're not separate on a deep physical level from each other, from the earth, from life, from creation. I'm so glad to hear you say this. There is this idea that Bruce Lipton has been talking about, and I've heard from a few different others, Mm. of the superorganism. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this idea of truly going beyond the definition of self, and we really are at that juncture, I believe. Exactly. And I think what Peter Russell talks about this in the global yes. brain also. Mm-hmm. And he says, you Which know, is 30 years old or yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, when you get to a certain order of um, magnitude. Understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have 10, and 10 billion is a number that seems to represent this order of magnitude. Mm-hmm. So when you have 10 billion cells vibrating together, creating a nervous system, that was a step up from a multi-cell organism to a, oh, I see. A living to a mammalian. It's another, level of, another level of complexity along the path. And now okay. it's like we have 10 billion nervous systems in the human body. The next step is we have a single organism, organism which is a superorganism, which is the nervous system of the Earth, of Gaia. There you go. So this is the development of Gaia as a conscious, awake, living being, stepping into the cosmos as her own, you know, as a completely new organism, not an unconscious wholeness, but a conscious wholeness. Um, okay. Conscious coming together of all the species on this planet, each finding their own place within this web of life. Yes each supporting each other in the web of life, balancing each other in the web of life, and then recognizing that there's a whole galaxy up there which is also part of the same body. This is conscious unity. So starting off from undifferentiated reality, God as undifferentiated reality, we step into differentiation, duality, which is a necessary part of evolution, and then conscious um Awakening within yes. this as um, differentiated but um, united being, and that's a whole new, whole new ball game. And that's what Sri Aurobindo is referring to as the supramental defense, yes. and that is what I see as the Ilahinur field. It's a morphogenetic field whose purpose it is to unite the physical body with the light bodies, with body and yes. spirit, yes. God and human. Earth and spirit. So it's not one or the other, but both and. Yes. And experiencing for the very first time ever as um, as creator, you know. So it takes us away from this whole victim stance. You know, I'm I'm somehow, you know, the victim of human interference on the planet, or the victim of someone else telling me what to do or creating uh, disturbances in my life. It puts me in the driving seat as creator, not separate from anyone else, but stepping up the idea, concept of creation itself. So at this point, synchronicities are all that exist. And there's no such thing as accident, chance, cause, or effect. Mm -hmm. Everything is synchronicity. 
Yes. Vibrating together in this fractal yes, um, universe. universe. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. It reminds me actually a bit of the notions in Taoist alchemy <clears throat> of the integration of the heavenly energies, the cosmic energies with the earthly. Mm. And that we, our being, our physical vessel is the place for the alchemy where the 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 container for that to mm. occur. Yeah. yeah. You know. And so we mix the energies from above yeah. that are galactic and cosmic in nature, uh, and have their intelligence with the wisdom of the earth. Right. And we stand between the right. two as humans. Right. Yeah, I love the word alchemy. Yeah. You know, it's like something deep and rich emerging from this foundation. Exactly. You know, lead turning into gold. You know, That's base, right. Uh, base matter, base, base light. emotions. Base elements. Base right. emotions, mm-hmm. elements of our own being. Exactly. Transforming into being. divine um, exactly. grace. Being refined. Being refined. And such. also that means of... of a refinement of a vibrational frequency. Surely. Which is what's key to this process as well. Yes. It's like a physical vibration, the vibrational frequency is changing. And this is not just happening for those of us who are spiritually conscious. In fact, you know, scientists are telling us now, like Alexei Dmitriev in Russia, that the base harmonic frequency of all matter in the solar system is stepping up. This may have to do with the Fibonacci spiral, who knows. Mm-hmm. But somehow it's like this is what's causing all the... the Perturbations. Pertur- yeah. I was talking before you got here, I was making reference to the idea, Kiara, of the Arab Spring, mm. as an example. Mm. And that came out of speaking of the astrological reality of Pluto in Capricorn right now, mm-hmm. which the Plutonian energy disrupts anything and everything that does not stand in its own integrity. Mm. And because it's in Capricorn, although Mm. it's spread out a bit, but Mm. Capricorn represents institutions and empires. Right. So you see a faltering and a leaking, if you will, in the United States government of its its venerable structures, its sacrosanct hallowed halls, there's a leakage occurring, you know, i.e. Snowden and others. Right. You look at the Vatican and you see the same thing same where thing. the butler of the Pope came forward and said just, what, six, eight months ago, aha, we see things that are not kosher or, mm. I should say, ethical, mm. <laughs> you know, right. here in right. the Vatican at the right. very highest level, the right. Pope. And, boy, they shut him up real fast. But what we see well, is... They, they stepped down the Pope immediately after Exactly. We see a disintegration, which yeah. is another way of saying disintegrity. It needs to happen. A reintegration of integrity. And then a reintegration, exactly. It's creating the openness, the yeah. space for. Yeah. First, there's got to be the emptying of that which right. is not pure and standing in integrity for a rebuilding, a recreation. Right. And... The Arab Spring, same thing in all of the countries it's in which everywhere. it's occurred. It's happening, it's happening here. In Turkey, it's happening exactly here. Turkey, where yeah. you live. Yeah. Yeah, the whole um, what's it? Uh, the the Occupy 
the Occupy movement exactly was blowing the whistle on that. And, you know, one aspect of this also, which I haven't heard too many astrologers speaking about yet, is the fact that the United States, you know, as a nation, was born in 1776. Pluto is a 248-year cycle. Oh, So in 2024... Eight and six, yeah, 2024, which is 10 years from now, uh, the United States is going to go through its first Pluto return, which is, oh, you know, complete yes. annihilation of anything that's not in integrity so it can be reformed yes. into its truest form. You know, and, this, and the United States is a symbol of this rising culture around the planet. Yes. So it's happening, I mean, this, process of death and rebirth, uh, the resurrection of the phoenix energy, uh, that's key to what we're seeing in all, in all levels, social, exactly. political, economic, spiritual, psychological, relational, exactly. educational, everything. And this is also part of what I see as, you know, the shift from the dualistic worldview to a unitive worldview. Yes, exactly. It cannot be... Very important. And I want to bring up another distinction now that you said that. I think it's very important because I think it's a place for a lot of misunderstanding. Being related to the unified field doesn't mean sameness. Right. It doesn't mean some kind of homogenized self where distinctions and differences are annihilated. Not at all. It is understanding the underlying reality of unification mm. of all matter and mm. spirit out of which comes the magnificence of the diversity of nature. It's the uniqueness of every life form. Exactly. Diversity as uniqueness, you know, not the same. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Because that's how nature was designed to adapt to varying conditions. Yeah. It requires uniqueness. Hence, ethnicity, different color, different gender of people, mm. of everything. Mm. It requires mm. the uniqueness of all beings, of all cultures, of all ethnicities, mm. you know? That's what the web of life it is about. It's there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Handstands there. <laughs> I want to just go back to something when you were talking about the kahuna. I was kind of giggling to myself a little bit because... You reminded me of something I say to people when I teach and do sessions with people is, you know, the popular idea, Kiara, of uh, we are all spiritual beings having a human experience Mm. or trying Mm. to have one. Mm. Well, I say to people, before that, we are animals trying to have a human experience. Mm. Let's start Mm. there Mm. and work our way Mm. up, you know. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to... It's really kind of interesting when you think about that middle self that you right. were talking about, making friends with the lower self right. instead of first with the higher self. Yeah. That yeah. phrase I came and up with of animals to human and understanding would the, be that bridge. Right. And the stages of evolution, you cannot ignore or bypass a stage. You right. know, so Sri exactly. talks about the animal human, then the human human, then the divine human... And then finally, the supramental human. I mean, I'll define it a little bit. There you go. The animal human yes. is Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, that instinctive center. And not to say that it was just about instinctive 
of competition, like we talked about, but instincts of survival. Yes. You know, tribal It had a different sensory system it had a, developed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, In fact, quite literally, if I may just add to that, the, the olfactory sense mm, was way more important mm, mm, than the, the visual. visual at first because that's closer to our midbrain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then came along the human, human. So, you know, Homo sapiens, Homo, sap, um, homo sapiens sapiens. Right. Um, so this is where the thinking mind starts to develop. You've, you know, it's a transitional state, according to Sri Aurobindo. Mm-hmm. So it's not a complete stage in itself. Uh, the, the animal human is a complete stage in itself. It could have continued forever. This stage is a transitional stage into the divine human stage. So the mind, the thinking mind, has precedence here, but it's not meant to be the governor of the all and all. Yes, exactly. It's only a step. So when Chiraminda talks about the five levels of the mind beyond this thinking mind, that's what we identify with as the divine human. You know, this is a bridge that we're creating next. Um, so in this next phase of evolution, as the divine human, we become part of the nervous system of the planet, experience ourselves as one with the Gaia organism, and then from that point on, we become a planetary organism. Um, and the, you know that's that to me is what enlightenment is about. That to me, you know, people also talk about ascension, but what ascension of what? It's also the descension of divine spirit into the body as part of the evolution of God itself, herself, himself, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. so then even that's not the end. Uh, so Sri Aurobindo talks about the fourth stage, which is a supramental human, which is when the physical body has become so transformed that the vibrational structure of the body can hold the multidimensional frequency of the soul in a way that the two become one. So you can actually move the physical body around in time, in space, um, fluidly. The body can exist uh, on prana without the need for uh, physical sustenance, food, water, and so on. Uh, it can communicate telepathically, you know, so now we have, we have become so dependent on the Internet. This is the Internet, you know, which is the next stage beyond, the telepathic sure. links. The, sure have access to all the information, all the knowledge of all the universes, because that is simply who we are. But bringing that into the cells of the body, which the body wisdom is so much smarter than the mind wisdom that we know, yes. the thinking mind so far. Oh, my. So this this really is the evolutionary path, or involutionary path, same thing. Yes. And it's so much beyond anything that we can imagine today, which is why I say, you know, our current stage of evolution is just like a kindergarten stage compared to, you know, what we are emerging into. And it could be that this generation is the pivot. Yes. You know, and there's reasons for this which I could go into, you know, from a science perspective yes. also. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this has been yeah, a take big... take a few minutes. This has been a big part of my own research. My yes. my book, Year Zero, um, um, Time of the Great Shift, yes. is a research of this particular um, awareness. It started for me in looking at Hindu calendar systems, Mayan calendar systems, ancient prophecies, you know, the idea that we're evolving, 
But there was always this uneasiness, okay, if you're evolving, how does this happen? There must be a mechanism for this. We don't suddenly wake up on December 21st, 2012 as awakened beings. You know, there's a mechanism. What is that mechanism? And so about 10 years ago, I met an astrophysicist, Dr. Paul LaViolette. And in our conversations together then and since, you know, much of these, um, much of the science behind this has started to come together. And so one thing he talks about is that creation did not just happen once. He he talks about the theory of continuous evolution. So it's not just once at the Big Bang, but it's it's an event that takes place from the centers of galaxies during the active phase of their life. Uh, So maybe 10 to 20% of their life's um, history is active, which is when the galaxy or the mother star of a galaxy, the center, uh, is emitting cosmic waves, gamma rays, um, x-rays, and so on, in extreme uh, volumes, Mm -hmm. which is like a wave that if you drop a stone into a pond, you have ripples extending out from the center. It's exactly the same thing, except it's spherical this time. So from the center of a galaxy, there's concentric waves extending out throughout the Milky Way. When these, when this wave crosses a solar system, which happens approximately every 12,000 years, there's a direct um, em, repercussions. Yeah. So what happens is that to understand the solar system, um, all things are electromagnetic fields. So the electromagnetic boundary of a solar system is referred to as a heliopause. It's like the the edge of our solar system. It's highly charged, um, protective electromagnetic particles. So when you have this galactic superwave blasting its way through the Milky Way, hitting the outer edge of our solar system, the first thing that happens is kapoof. You know, the outer edge of our solar system breaks down. And what happens, and this is this temporary, and you have extreme amounts of solar du- uh, cosmic dust uh, entering into the solar system, mm-hmm. gravitationally attracted by the sun and all the other planets. So, you know, guess what? You know, all the planets in the solar system are heating up from the core, including the Earth. From the core, I'm not talking about global warming from the surface. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the core. And then you have the sun herself going through extreme. Cycles. So this is again solar flares, solar flares coronal mass ejections. Mm-hmm. This is also a 12,000-year cycle that's related to the galactic superwave cycle. Mm-hmm. This in turn leads to a cycle on the Earth. So at a certain point, you have enough magnitude solar flares and coronal mass ejections blasted out through solar winds towards Earth that the magnetic north-south axis collapses. And this happens periodically and can be measured in the the ice core. Is that the shift of the magnetic poles you're referring to? Yeah. I'm not talking about a geographical pole shift. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a magnetic Mm -hmm. pole reversal. Mm -hmm. Um, And what scientists are seeing now is that the north polar axis is tilting very, very quickly, uh, relatively speaking. So like 200 years ago, Mm -hmm. there was a mild fluctuation around its um, north axis. Then the axis started to tilt, 
and gradually getting more more exponentially and m- more wobble more wobble mm-hmm. and then it's not just wobbling but tilting so about 10 years ago uh, it was tilting at the rate of about 70 miles a year which was extremely fast compared to previous years in fact it was twice as fast as in the 50 years before that which was twice as fast as the 150 years before that and now it i heard read a report a couple months ago uh, saying that this tilt is moving at the rate of 1 mile a day which is five times what it was 10 years ago so something is going on here yeah you know so what this means is that we could be close to a time of a magnetic collapse electromagnetic collapse and what scientists say is that a, this collapse could last it usually lasts a very short time few hours, at most two or three days. And then there's a reversal, magnetic north and south reverse uh, switch places. This is pivotal in the sense that all evolution happens during these magnetic reversals, going back to the beginnings of Earth's history. So, you know, many biologists are now understanding this, that Darwinian evolution was incomplete. It just doesn't happen gradually with missing links that have never been found, but there are quantum shifts in between. So you have beginning, you have, you know, uh, the whole web of life interacting, and then suddenly it changes, species go extinct, millions of new species are birthed, all in one generation. And these happen during the times of magnetic reversal. So technically what happens is the same thing that happens when a galactic wave penetrates the heliopause, the outer shield of the solar system, when the magnetic field of the Earth collapses, which is the Van Allen belts, suddenly you have all this cosmic radiation which has been sitting outside bombarding the Earth. Guess what that does to our genetics? You know, so it's like maybe a dozen, a hundred times more cosmic radiation moving through our um, yeah, genetic system. Genetic system. Now, if it happened during well, our entire biological structure, yeah, all of it, all of it, all of the Earth's biological structure. Yes, exactly. So there's something very special that happens during this time, though. Now, if this bombardment took place during a normal time, none, nothing would survive on Earth. It'd just be too much radiation. Mm-hmm. Imagine Fukushima. Too intense. Exactly. Fukushima multiplied a hundred thousand times. Right. But something else is going on at this time, which is really the key to evolution, as I see it, mm-hmm. which is that our bodies are connected to its magnetic field. You know, whether we're talking about the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, yes. or the, the higher structures, the higher emotional, mental, uh, etheric bodies. They're all connected. What makes us human or what makes us living as any organism on Earth, is the fact that we're connected to these electromagnetic fields. So during this reversal, or preceding the reversal during the collapse, it's like the links between these different separate bodies collapse as well. So here you are, Mitchell, you know, talking on the phone, suddenly you can't think. Suddenly your, your senses can't perceive. Uh, suddenly your physical body goes through extreme magnetic variations. 
you go into a state of coma, trance, deep sleep. Um, it happens just like that. I mean, there, there may be a period leading mm-hmm. up to it, so it's not like it takes you by total surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, during that time, and the Mayas talk about this as three days of darkness. And during this time, the it's not darkness from in the sense that the sun has anything to do with it, but it's internal darkness, just like a caterpillar would experience when it goes inside this cocoon. You know, so it's a cocooning phase, where it's ordinary perceptions of life, where it's ordinary sense of realities and identity dissolves. So who we are as the human-human stage of evolution dissolves. We let go of the entire matrix of our subconscious mind. You know, that, that movie's matrix is so accurate. Yes. Is that this is our perceived identity that's become real because we've believed it to be so. For so long. And for so long. And that suddenly collapses. So who am I? Right. If it's not this. Uh-huh. Then the soul matrix begins to integrate. And the identity of the divine human begins to emerge. And the galactic human. The galactic human. All this is part of the cocooning. So just like a caterpillar goes into the cocoon, you know, all the juices start to dissolve. It actually liquefies, literally. Not that that's going to happen to us necessarily, but that's what happens to the caterpillar. And then new DNA starts to be activated. It's a metamorphosis. And then the butterfly emerges, a new species, a new stage of evolution. And this is happening on an on a Gaia level to all life, you know. So, so they could and we've assisted in this, you know. Human interference has caused the extinction of so many species on this planet. Yes. A tenth of the species are already gone. But it may not be, you know, outside of divine plan. You know, what I'm saying is that there's a much greater intelligence behind all this. There's a Gaia intelligence behind all this. And just because species are going, going extinct doesn't mean that it's the end of Earth. Because during the magnetic reversal, new species are, would be created according to the intelligence of the interaction of Gaia, solar system, galactic systems, and, and our beingness beyond and now entering into creation. So this is what's creating, for the first time, a conscious new evolution, where it's like waking up matter itself. I understand. I I have a different point of view on some of what you said. Hmm. Uh, Not fundamentally. Uh, In fact, I would like to share that uh, I learned of some of what it is you're saying regarding the three days of darkness from a source connected to Drunvalo. Is, is that, uh, is that uh, Don Alejandro Cirilla? No. Oh, okay. No, I, I've met him too, but yeah. uh, no, through Cal Garrison, who is ah. Drenvelo's, uh astrologer, okay. who I've had on the show, who wrote a book called 2012 and Beyond. Mm. And in my interview of her in Sedona, she outlined the process. Oh, I'm curious to hear this. It's really you interesting. Mind... mind Summarizing it? What? Oh, yeah. You're summarizing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She goes into a little bit more depth yeah. Yeah. of it. Uh, it's really interesting about that. It's very much the butterfly mm. process, the chrysalis mm. butterfly so process. So what's the mechanism, so. as she would describe it? Um, 
that's causing it, mm-hmm. it's related to magnetic pole shift. Yeah. And, it's the same as and what, what would saying. be the distinct um, steps? Uh, I, I don't remember right okay. now what they are, except that there is a process. Hmm. She didn't talk about internal darkness as such, as I recall, hmm. but just darkness. Darkness as a metaphor for yeah. the mystery, going that into is, the mystery. There is a, right, exactly. There is the unknown. A, a perception hmm. of nothing that we have known before. Do you know, for instance, there are those dark rooms I don't know if you're aware of yeah, that. Yeah, I've done dark room retreats. Dark, right. Yeah, that's what I'm referring yeah, to. It's, yeah. it's sort of like a step yeah. beyond the flotation tank, right. which is the beginning of that kind of process, but a dark room retreat, right, mm. where you have access to nothing that you know mm. essentially as familiar. Mm. And so your identity mm. as the self that you were begins to relax your identity gets to relax altogether. <clears throat> right. Even your your notion of survival and all of that gets to decontract. Yeah, you, you just start to get out of the thinking mind altogether. Right, right. There's no more. Curiously, you get more into the instinctive <clears throat> mind. It's yeah. almost like a recapitulation of human evolution. And the, the instinctive mind is the gateway to the higher mind. Yes. And the high self, low self, middle exactly. self. Absolutely. <clears throat> Hence. Yeah. We are humans. Have, I mean, we are animals. Having seeking a human experience gains mm. a little bit more right. weight at right. that moment, you know. Right. And, and people and laugh at me when I say that, like, "Oh yeah. my God, how unspiritual yeah. are you?" Well, that's presupposing <laughs> that animals are somehow less than, you know. But exactly. says who? Exactly. It, that's completely right on. Yeah, completely right on. But what I, I will, <clears throat> the part that I would differ with mm. is I my own view, limited as it may be, does not just condone the unconscious or conscious destruction of sentient life on the planet mm. as somehow part of divine order. I don't accept that. Mm. Yeah. There I, are people who say yeah. anything and everything that happens is just part of a divine order. Right. I don't accept that right. myself. Right. I see it as a um, a distortion of a divine mm. pattern right. that people have gone afield from, astray from, because they're not aligned with their instinctive, right. with all of their selves. Well, so I... their, their, um, their masterminding <clears throat> destruction, like greed does, mm. like the acquisitional material mind does, devoid of spirit. Mm. You know, and all of the tragedies that we're seeing on the planet and have seen human trafficking, mm. slavery, oppression of peoples, you name it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, gender oppression and suppression. Oh, you know, so much. Whatever well, it is, absolutely. I see that yeah. not as part yeah. of a divine pattern. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you could say everything is, mm. but I'm, I don't want to go there because mm. that doesn't get us anywhere. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm, what I'm saying is that we've gone off track, Yeah. but somehow this divine forces, or what Sri Aurobindo would call the supramental catastrophe, is powerful enough that it can even use, you know, the inconsistencies and ignorance of our 
oh, the stage yeah. of her evolution oh, I can, I can to create to create beauty from there. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So, so you and that say it's is eminently adaptive. It's <laughs> eminently adaptive. And so in that sense it's like well it's not to say that I don't do the best I can to support life. Of course you in do. every way possible. Of course you do. Uh, and stand up for human rights and animal rights and earth rights and yes, yes, universal yes. rights. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but not from a place of despair anymore. I think that's the difference from where it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a degree in peace studies, and I was very much into environmental, sure. um, you know, re-patterning, and, and just remember feeling so hopeless and despairing because I, the more I understood about how we are destroying our home planet, the more despairing I became because I couldn't see any way out. That's another story. Um, so it's like this is giving me a perspective, looking at a bigger picture, where, yes, there are certain, there's lots of things to be aware of and not hide our heads in the sand, but at the same time, not to go into despair about one aspect of it, but look at the the full picture. You know, since we've gone this far down that path, I would say despair. I I would agree with you completely. But I would say that there is a power in allowing oneself to feel the profound sadness Mm, mm. and sorrow. Mm. Oh, yes. Which, you know, the other part of it is compassion. Yeah. Of the destruction of life as we have fomented it. Yeah. As humans on this planet. Where we're supposed to be the leaders... Hmm. Of living organisms on the planet, hmm. as the United Space Space, the United States. I like that United, United Space. Space. The United States yeah. is supposed to be a beacon of light yeah. to all other nations, and there's sadness in my and many hearts about it not fulfilling that idealized image. Right. So too humans not fulfilling, and so I feel in some ways, Kiara, like a a Native American visiting mm. Turtle Island, mm. you know, despairing. Yeah, I guess there is a feeling of despair, mm. but it's temporary. The yeah. real feeling is, what have we done? Yeah. How yeah. have we hurt our children yeah. and yeah. our other creatures? Right. And unlike not getting stuck there, I think, is a very important thing. Mm. And then mm. that could turn mm. to depression, right. or that could turn to... Numbness. Other destructive numbness or uh, indifference or other mm. destructive patterns. Or closing our hearts down. Close, exactly. I feel, unlike all of that, there's a huge amount of mm. hope. Yeah. That even though, and I think it's important for people, like I tell some of my clients that guilt is a very good thing in proper doses. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. It means your nervous system is very awake to some sense of the way things can right. be right. or should be. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you dwell on it and become obsessed yeah. by it, well, that's another, story. that's another story. But if you utilize its intelligence to wake you up to mm. making a better choice next time, right. God bless you, you're on the right path. Yeah, so the distinction between despair and premature hope and true hope. <laughs> okay, fine. So, I mean, the premature hope is kind of like a Pollyannish thinking. Yes. Well, you know, ignore it, it'll go away. Right. Um, 
then, then that's what a lot or, of religious faith comes in. Right. Things are going to be okay because somehow, somehow... Or everything know, is in perfect divine order. Yeah. And therefore, God will take care of it. And that God is coming through us. Exactly. So that is the power and the responsibility that we are given. But it's a much bigger power than we dream of if we can take yeah. charge of it. Yeah. So it's a two-edged sword, you know. It's that's like it wakes us up to... Um, to this, to the truth of what's going on, which is not always very pleasant. Yeah. But it also gives us the tools to change it, not from a place of combat and no. from a place of opposition, from a place because that's we've done that exactly. over and over again. That's old news. But from a place of reconnecting with that source energy in such a profound way exactly. that we actually. As we envision, so it becomes. Exactly. You know, that's coming from the supramental level of consciousness. Yeah. Uh, it's inspira- It's coming from inspiration. Yeah. yeah. And you're inspired to act instead of against or what have you, as you said. Mm, yeah, exactly. Right, right. Or from anger, even for that matter. That's not a sound ground. Can you say that on mm. a sound ground? Um, for yeah. action. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Well, anger, again, is different from rage. You know, anger is something that's positive, that it has forces that. you to take action. Exactly. Very much like the guilt can as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It has its place in the universe. Yeah. And it's just that when people stay stuck in it... Mm as if they stay stuck in guilt or any other yeah. emotion. In other words, what you're saying is that no emotion is negative by definition. Mm. Everything mm. has a context, as mm. Richard Bandler of NLP used to say. Yeah. You know, mm. everything has a place. It might not be a very big place, but it's a place, mm. you know, mm. in our universe. Mm. And that's what, Ilahi, you know, going back to that, Please. it's about, you know, bringing this higher consciousness into our base emotions yeah. uh, to create the alchemy of um, the divine human. Yeah. So it's taking what's already there. You know this this matrix of the of the uh, this matrix of unconsciousness, yeah. bringing the light of consciousness into that, embracing that, um, loving who we are, not because we are, you know, some fine creation at this point. We're still messed up, pretty much, but loving the potential that's there and loving, you know, the loving what's here, um, seeing it already as divine. I mean, that's that's the perspective which allows it to um, yeah. become alchemized. That's right. Um, and that's what love is. That's yeah. unconditional love. That's right. And what I realize is a certain point, which was so touching for me, if the earth, if Mother Earth, as Gaia, as a living consciousness, wanted to get rid of us as aggressors on this planet, mm-hmm. you know, she could just shrug her shoulders in an instant and we'd be gone. Yes. It could happen in any number of ways. Talk about compassion. Yeah. Unconditional compassion, love, <laughs> patience, you know, these are the things. And, you know, we've been a cancer on the earth. Of course we've been a cancer. We've wiped out our own home. Yep. That's what a cancer does. But the potential is there that we become part of a higher nervous system and assist her in, into the next step of her evolution as well. Yes. 
which is this uh, planetary organism, this um, next stage that we all achieve. And it cannot happen without human nervous systems which are tuned enough to these cosmic levels that we can anchor that divine frequency. Um, and it, all, you know, it doesn't mean that every single human person has to do this. Maybe just a critical mass. Mm-hmm. And whatever that critical mass happens to be, which I believe we've possibly reached. You know, it's, but it's a matter of timing. It's a matter of focus. It's a matter of surrendering to something bigger than ourselves that's now um, coming in stronger, stronger and stronger. And then when the, and I think there's a, like <clears throat> we talked about Don Alejandro Cirillo, what he said is when we, when you start going through these three days of darkness, celebrate. This is what you've been waiting for all your lifetimes. Uh, so we, we were there with him in Guatemala about five years ago mm-hmm. <clears throat> and talking about the Mayan calendar and so on. And, and he was very clear, you know, don't worry about dates. That's not what our calendar system is about. It's about the shift from linear time or linear consciousness to galactic time or multidimensional consciousness. Mm-hmm. And this is that shift from um, being a victim to being a creator. And this is the moment we've long awaited, so That's celebrate right. it. That's right. And this is the uh, the magnetic reversal. And, and it's a cyclical process. It's periodic. It's you know it's regular, so we can count on it. It's just you know it's not an if, it's a when, and we can narrow it down, you know, significant significantly. Even though we, you know, I don't think anyone can put a date on it really, but we can say well you know given certain signs and conditions. This time may be soon, given the fact that the magnetic axis is tilting so rapidly, given that we're seeing aurora borealis phenomenon further and further southwards, mm-hmm. given that we are physically, emotionally, mentally going through so much upheaval in our own bodies. You know, this, um, and this is not a bad thing. You know, a lot of people are experiencing challenges in their physical bodies, experiencing these massive ups and downs in their emotional bodies, experiencing mm, the complete loss of identity on a mental level. But the reality is they always have. But it's accelerating now. That's what is said. Yeah. That is what is said. Well, it may be true. It may be. But it might not be true. Well, it could be that, you know, this is what we, it's like, it's a good excuse to... Right. <laughs> That's to, what I was getting to. Yeah. I, I personally think it's a belief system <laughs> that people use to mm-hmm. explain Like why. Mercury retrograde, you know. Like what? Like Mercury retrograde. Yes, exactly. That kind of idea. So it's not that it doesn't have mm. some... Validity. Validity, yes, it has some, but not what people say, yeah. you know. People can still communicate during Mercury retrograde. Yeah, yeah. And very successfully. Yeah. Well, I think that's the idea. And we have evidence of it. If we can learn to link up with the higher systems. Yes. And not be so caught up in the yeah. subconscious systems, then actually beyond. our functioning is even clearer. There more efficient, go. stronger, higher, all those things. Exactly. It's only exactly. when we are out of touch with who we are that we start losing it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share a little story with you uh, about um, Don Alejandro Chiara, which is uh, I was with him and a lot of other people at the UN a couple of years ago when he and the other elders came and the grandmothers. And I was actually mm. across the street mm. 
and they did a beautiful presentation and everything, and then there was a question and answer period, mm. and I turned to him, and I <clears> said, Don Alejandro, one question. December 22nd, 2012. <laughs> What's that going to be like? Mm. <laughs> and in his wisdom, he looked out the window. It was a beautiful day in New York, and it was sunny and everything. He went, Mm. Like that. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be the same as mm. December 21st. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I so appreciated that. Yeah. Because to me, there was so much hoopla. Yeah. And it was, to me, it was a beautiful reason for a party. Mm. You know? Mm. And, yeah, and uh, it's unfortunate that so many people took a specific date as year zero. Exactly. And focused on that date as the end or beginning of something. You know, it's almost like an escape. Right. We don't like what there we, we see. There we go. Yeah. And we think that we can escape from it without having to do something. Exactly. You right. know? So I know people, a lot of people are really uh, bummed out that they were still here on this planet, that, you know, the ETs haven't come in and changed yeah. everything. Or People are living in these fantasy worlds yeah. about the nature of reality, you know, yeah. and they. They just get on a spiritual bandwagon, yeah. thinking that somehow they're going to be liberated from Earth, that that's a good thing. Yeah. Then rather than liberating themselves from their own peculiar thinking and feeling, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's yeah. what liberation yeah. needs to happen. And that's so they know, can really enjoy the the creation. I think there's a lot of that in New Age spirituality. Yes. Indeed. You know, this magical thinking. Oh which is, yes. You know, there is a magical thinking which is, which is the which is positive and That's supportive, right. but there is a magical thinking that puts it's us escapist. into it's escapist. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, Kiara Windrider, I've got to just say it's such a pleasure to see you. Yeah. And it's so nice to have you in New York after all of these years. Yes. And we've only actually been together in India, Mother India, you know. So it's really a pleasure mm. to bridge the oceans and yeah. uh, have you here. Yeah, it's wonderful to, yeah. to reconnect in this way. And, you know, we could keep talking for hours, I think. But, um, and I think we will. We will, yeah. Exactly. If, if people want to check out my website, it's Kiara Windrider. I Windrider to give, yeah. net. Spell it out for people. K-I-A-R-A W-I-N-D R-I-D-E-R Beautiful. And this Ilahi Noor stuff that we're talking about, I'll spell that out. I L A H I N O O R. And check Beautiful. out the website. There's all kind of books and things. Exactly. That explain this. And, and we have all of Kiara's contact information as well on our website, which you all know www.abetterworld.tv. There's a link to Kiara and access to his books and everything right there. And you're in the United States teaching from coast to coast, a little in Hawaii, Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, next will be upstate New York and Wyndham. And for any of you who may want to contact us and join us, uh, contact me at 212-420-0800, 212 Make sure to send your comments and your feedback to mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr, my initials, at abetterworld.net. 
Thanks so much for joining us. And I'm sorry that we weren't able to respond to any questions. I heard the phone ringing a couple of times, but we are so caught up in our own conversation. <laughs> but, you know, feel free to... The chance to, will occur. Yeah. And <laughs> if you have any up. questions, if you want to email me through my website, yes. I'm happy Beautiful. to receive that, too. Beautiful. Kiara, thanks again for joining us on A Better World. Well, thank you, Mitchell, for inviting me. Absolutely. This is Mitchell J. Raven for A Better World. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll be here again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Please join us and listen in for a touch of Mozart, and we look forward to seeing you all next week.